Welcome back to Are You a Fan, where we explore individual characters from your favorite sci-fi, action, and fantasy genres. A big thank you to Moonbound Productions for supporting today's episode. If you would like to express your support, please like and share the show. Here's your hosts, Dick Rail and Joker. Hey, folks! Give a, If you like the episode and you like the characters, give us a like, a share, and, you know, heck, maybe give us a follow. So, Joker and folks in the audience, got a question for you. If you could pick one government conspiracy to be real, what would it be? And I don't know if it really counts as a government conspiracy, but I like the conspiracies about uh, DIA. All, all the tunnels. All the tunnels and stuff underneath it. All tunnels lead to the Denver airport. You know, because, like, they have all this ground, all this stuff underground that they supposedly have, but there's no actual paperwork for it. It's like, and I just love hearing all the conspiracies about it. I think some of my favorite conspiracies have to do with either the aliens or the supernatural stuff. Yeah. Like, like if if I found out that there were really, like, a dark underworld, like, of vampires and stuff trying to, like, take over, oh, I'm joining that team. Or you know how they, like, tried to throw out last year about the aliens being real? Right. Like, no, you're just trying to throw us off of something by pulling that out. Right, that's a move of desperation. So, folks, uh, that being said, that should bring us into our character of the week. We're going to be covering Hellboy. The Red Demon himself. So let's get going. Okay, let's start out with the real world. Hellboy. Hellboy is a fictional character uh, created by writer-artist Mike Mignola. The character first appeared in San Diego Comic-Con Comics, issue number two, August 1993. Holy cow, I'm older than this one? It's rare that we find characters that we're older than. And I have a little note a little bit later on, but we're not really that much older than him, at least by his original idea. Okay. When he actually showed up in comics, yes. Okay. Well, uh, still, I was born before him. <laughs> uh, he obviously has appeared uh, since in various miniseries, one-shots, intercompany crossovers. You know, like, at this point, most characters in media, in pop culture, they've, they've all shown up in various forms of media. Oh, of course. And crossovers is kind of a rite of passage for most characters. Yeah, you know you made it at least somewhat big when you make a crossover. Especially when it comes to a Dark Horse or Image comic character like Spawn or Hellboy, for yeah. example. <laughs> Um, so here we go. Before Hellboy was published independently at Dark Horse Comics, the concept was initially pitched to the, a board of directors for DC Comics. While they loved it, but they weren't fans of the idea of it involving hell, which those of us and any of you who've been following us who know about DC, not very surprising. Yeah, no, not at all. That's a very... Yeah, we expected that from you. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, of eh. course you wouldn't want something like that. Yeah, of course you, you that'd be... You don't have the guts. Uh, exactly. <laughs> of course that be, uh, wouldn't be palatable enough for you. Right. Uh, the early stories were con- uh, conceived and drawn by Magnolia, while script written by John Byrne, and some later stories have been crafted by creators other than Magnolia, including Christopher Golden, Guy Davis, Ryan Sook, and Duncan Ferregdo. Yeah, see, I know why you gave me that sentence now. <laughs> All those names. Yeah, yeah, I can't plan that one out. <laughs> the increasing commitment from the Hellboy f- 
franchise meant that 2008 one shot in the chapel of Moloch was the first Hellboy comic Magnolia had provided the script and the art for since the island the island in 2005 I didn't know that was a comic at one point I mean he seems to have a lot of one shots he really does but it's also interesting that it took one that it took three years to be able to do it again but it's also weird that he had the opportunity to do both again yeah because in an industry that you so often have one person does one thing and then you have a team to do the rest yeah it's not common to see the writer doing the art again yeah no that's um it's actually kind of nice to see that really shows his uh talent and work yeah uh so kind of what i alluded to earlier hellboy actually originated in 1991 with a drawing mignola did for a great salt lake comic con promotional pamphlet of a demon with the name hellboy written on his belt mignola had initially no intention of doing anything serious with the concept but eventually decided he liked the name so that's kind of that's kind of where Hellboy originated. It was just oh. some offshoot comic or pamphlet cover, and he's like, "Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna stick with this and go with it." That's actually kind of cool to find out. And I mean, you know, come on, Hellboy—it's got a ring to it, and it's memorable. Definitely memorable. <laughs> I mean, you know, you want the you want to keep you want people to look. Kind of throw the word hell in. People are gonna look. I feel like that's a big reason why it's it's stuck around so well. Oh, for yeah. minus like the books and the comics and having no real other media presence largely. And yet everybody still at least knows the name. Yeah, even people who aren't really comic fans and that yeah. like, you all we all kinda know who Hellboy is. Yep. Okay, uh now that's kind of it for the real world. Uh compared to some of our others, pretty short real world. That's so, uh, yeah, let's go into the in-universe. Yeah, see, you, you try to give me weird names, <laughs> and I just give you the biggest weird name of all. Hellboy, or Anung Un Roma. I, I don't think doing it in any other accent is going to really work for, for yeah, it. Uh, he was conceived on October 5th, 1617. The day his birth mother, Sarah Hughes, a human woman, while she was on her deathbed, in life, Sarah was a consort of the archdemon, archduke of hell, Azale, and Hellboy's biological father. I mean, I, I, that's not very shocking, though, to find out that his father was a demon. Oh, no, definitely not. That was definitely one. It was just kind of interesting that his mother was a consort to him. Yeah. And that he was born so early on. Right. So when we see where he is originally introduced to Earth, there's a very long time gap from birth to then. That's a huge time gap, actually. And we will be getting there, folks, so don't worry. We will, we'll, we'll be explaining. But, yeah, that, that's a big time gap, so keep that in mind. <laughs> um, Aziel would chop off the newborn's right hand and replace it with the right hand of doom, a relic tied to the Agju Jihad, which I don't even know. There are so many names in this thing that I don't understand. Like they're demons or <laughs> other villains so, or whatever. Oh yeah, uh, just I guess uh, another one of our preemptive. Sorry if we mess it up. Neither one of us speaks Latin. Most nor, of these are gonna be biblical Latin. Type I, style nor names. do I understand 
who most of these characters' names belong to. <laughs> I actually do recognize a few, a few of them, like uh, Zale and that. I recognize the name from, I want to say Revelations he may have shown up in. Anyway, he's a demon. Mm, like, yeah. <laughs> so, moving on. The creature, uh, which would become known as Hellboy, first appeared in the night on December 23rd, 1944, when the evil mystic Gregory Resputan summoned Hellboy to Earth with the help of the Third Reich. <laughs> I love doing that. I had fun with that. <laughs> so, kind of a fun fact about that. Um, Rasputin was commissioned by the Nazis to help change the tide of their losing war. He would be in charge of a operation called Project Ragna Rock, which led to Hellboy summoning. <laughs> oh, shit. When I saw that, I'm like, I like the play on the word, so I gotta add this in. <laughs> that is kind of a that's a and pretty adorable play. It's kind on that of name. ironic, you know, seeing as he summoned Hellboy. <laughs> yep, who um I guess I think according to some legends in the universe is supposed to be the bringer uh, uh, of the end of the world. So, yeah, so it just kind of fit together. Who who says that Germans and Nazis didn't have a sense of humor? <laughs> that is actually that is actually kind of a cool piece of information though. And uh yeah, no, pretty interesting and Rasputin. Oh, We'll be seeing you again in this story. Oh, yeah. So, Baby Hellboy would later appear miles away in a churchyard in East Brom, Bromwich, England, where he met a crack team of American soldiers led by First Sergeant George Whitman, sent to investigate the mysterious Nazi ritual. And I find it funny that he appeared so far away. I feel like like at least one Nazi general had to bring it up. Like, hey guys, I, like I get that he's able to open portals, but I think this Rasputin guy isn't as good as he's claiming, right? <laughs> oh. Or it's similar to like they did in the movies where he gets interrupted, and oh, yeah. that's why he gets teleported so far away. And and I could see that. Also, you know, like. I don't know. That always makes me hesitant whenever I'm reading or watching anything, and they're like a crack squad. I'm like, that's never, that's never. Right. I know it's it technically does mean a good squad, but it's never used. It's like when you call somebody Einstein. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's think, never used in good terms. Yeah, it's meant to. At least the the term crack squad. Yeah, it's supposed to be a good thing. Yep, but it never gets used that way. <laughs> it's always used sarcastically. And it's hard to convey sarcasm through writing. So I'm reading that and I'm like, so like, were they good? <laughs> right. Um, the team we're talking about, they actually would be accompanied by Professor Trevor Brutenholm of the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense, or BPRD for short, which will definitely be used a lot throughout this. Oh, yeah. Um, Professor Malcolm Frost, Lady Cynthia Eden-Jones, and the Torch of Liberty, which was a World War II-era costumed superhero. It's kind of cool that they had costumed heroes. Well, you know, because we can't keep a World War II comic without a costume hero. I Yeah. I <laughs> That's kind of what we do. It's kind of... Yeah, World War II was big about the whole costumed hero thing. Well, it's all about the propaganda. Yeah, which you know, makes kind of what won and lost that war on certain fronts. Yeah, true. Uh, very much so. So you know, Bill O'Reilly can suck it. 
But uh, uh, okay, uh, let's uh, move on a little bit here. Uh, Bruton home, Bruton home befriends the creature, christening him Hellboy. The child was raised in secret by the U.S. government and trained to be a paranormal investigator. So, like, I get, I get, like, the code name Hellboy would be great. I just, I feel like just fully christening him Hellboy. It's only weird because it's one of those, it's like, so do I call you, like, hell for short or boy for short? Because this is American, I feel like if I call you boy for short, you being of a different complexion, that's not going to go over well. So it'd just be like Kratos and the New God of War, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. That's good. That's all you think of is you were starting to go on that ramp, like, huh, Kratos. <laughs> boy. 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 I love the fun, that whole fun fact that, that the whole reason for that is because it took so long for them to come up with a name. <laughs> they were halfway through making the game already. Oh, but yeah, no, like I, I think it's a fun name, but it's just one of those names that you hear and you're just like, so the guy who named you, was he at all thinking about you ever integrating in a normal conversation? Have you seen the dude? I wouldn't okay. expect him to come up in a normal conversation. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair, valid. He's a, he's a giant red dude with a giant brick-looking hand. Fair, fair, valid point. <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess moving on then. Uh, so, so after he appeared in a church off, on an island off the coast, coast of Scotland, Hellboy was taken to an Air Force base in New Mexico where he grew up under the guidance of Trevor Brutenholm and the fledgling BPRD. So Trevor would also try to raise him in as normal of a home environment as possible and as a Catholic. Which, uh, you know, I guess, yeah. I mean, which you kind of see that a little bit in especially the first movie. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I feel like that was never a huge part of his story, at least in the movies, compared to potentially in the books. Yeah, I feel like the first movie played on it the most. And that, it's been so long since I've seen the second one, I couldn't tell you if it had anything to do with it. Second one doesn't really play on as heavy. I mean, he has the um, he has the rosary, but it's not it's not really as big of a thing. Yeah, it's more of I feel as if anything with the Catholic concept, it more um, would help him just on knowledge base. Yeah, and that to do his job and deal with the paranormal. So yeah, also you know uh, him being a demon of sorts, maybe. That was kind of the idea of like, maybe we can combat this by bringing him into the light of God. I feel like that's exactly what it was, to be honest. Which, you know, that, not the worst idea I've seen. No. So, <laughs> at least give him some kind of basis of uh, morality as skewed as it is. Hellboy interacted with personnel at the base, such as U.S. General Norton Riker and the and the dog Mac. Oh, there's a dog and a puppy. Okay. In 1952, when he was eight, Hellboy officially joined the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense as a full-time agent. Well, yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, probably should have waited until he was a little bit older. Maybe, but, you know, he's... That also makes me wonder. So, we call him eight... But we know he's not. So are they, at this point, are they just doing like human years since he's been on Earth? If I because at that point he's a couple centuries old. He's not eight. From what I understand, that's kind of how I think they're doing it. Because like since he's been on Earth, he, from what I can tell, he aged 
he aged still slower than normal human because find him in World War II, 2008. He looks like a middle-aged man. So, yeah, yeah, I think they're just going by how many years he's been on Earth because he is aging very slowly. Yeah, but it's just, just thing is, like, we knew he was born in 1600s, and here he is in 1952, and he's only eight. Holy God. I, I think that's exactly all it was. Like, you've been on this Earth for eight years, and we're going with eight. <laughs> I mean, when you kind of don't know when the thing <laughs> that's in your world now was born. I mean, Grant, it also looked very young at the time, like in the movie, so I True. get where they go with it. It's just one of those that makes you think. It really kind of does. And speaking of aging, uh, he aged greatly in body, although somewhat less in his mind. Uh, while he would appear to be a full-grown full grown middle-aged man, uh, he would still have the mind of a rebellious attitude of an adolescent. Um, in one story, while he was uh, he was two, while physically appearing as if he was between six and ten years old. Huh. So like, he physically looks much older than he mentally is. Which kind of kind of makes sense. They even catch they play on that a lot in that first movie. <laughs> yeah, second movie not much better. They. They definitely play on the fact that he, yeah, he's kind of a rebellion, which makes sense. He didn't really have any peers, if you would say. Like he didn't. Oh, he definitely didn't. And like they said, like sure, he they tried to raise him as a normal home environment, but like he's not a human. He doesn't look human. You can't treat him as normal because he's not off the base. And it's also one of those if you've ever met a homeschooled kid. They're just not normal. No. <laughs> Hellboy had no chance. He really didn't. He, they really didn't give him much of a chance of being a normal person. They're like, don't worry, we'll raise him like he's normal. You mean like a homeschool kid? Who? That's valid. <laughs> uh, that's as normal as he's going to get. <laughs> yeah. So he would, uh, he would continue on. He would become adept in many supernatural and paranormal subjects, such as possession, haunting, exorcism, enchantments, holy amulets, and sacred artifacts. He eventually became a full-fledged field agent of the BPRD under Trevor Brutenholm. Which, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to learn. It definitely is, but it also kind of makes you think, like, how, how well does he retain all of this? That's the other thing. You think of him as a supernatural being, it's possible that he could retain information fairly easily. He's uh, in some of the comics and even in the movies, he has been shown to just have a general knowledge of it at, like... Kind of, like, similar to my comic book knowledge, where yeah. he might have to pull out a book if he needs, like deep yep. stuff but he does have at least a base knowledge that's of, what sapiens for yeah <laughs> he's the one who pulls out the book <laughs> exactly but he at least does seem pretty well versed in what he needs to know to combat things yeah at least Wait, enough yep yeah, i mean it's enough to keep him alive so yeah which would come in handy you know in the years following world war ii and the demise of the nazi regime you know, Hellboy would travel the world encountering and defeating numerous supernatural beings and disturbances such as werewolves, vampires, and encounters with a deranged Nazi scientist, Hermann von Klimt. <laughs> uh, Hellboy also encountered minor deities, mythical creatures, and beings of folklore. He would even have a notable encounter with the Baby Yaga. The Baba Yaga! <laughs> uh, in the year 1952, uh, Hellboy would be granted honorary human status by the United Nations. 
That's such a weird sentence. <laughs> Honorary human status. By the United Nations. Just the fact that he's getting honorary human status, though. Like, that is just a weird part of a sentence. It kind of <laughs> is. I mean, you know, uh, clearly he's not here to hurt us. So. We hope. We hope. I mean, well, clearly he has no intention of hurting us. The reason he was brought here is another. Well, but again, you gotta think. So this, this is, he gets these status in. 1952, the same time he becomes eight. So, I mean, oh, wow. you hope he's not going to be here to hurt you. Yeah, true. You can't really bet a lot on an eight-year-old. <laughs> true, true. Uh, I mean, I was supposed to be a priest, so... <laughs> so, two years later, Hellboy was approached by the Osiris Club to slay the St. Leonard Worm. The battle was, in fact, a test of Hellboy's true virtue, resulting in lil, uh, lilies that grew from his spilled blood, which seemed to confirm his good nature. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. <laughs> which, you know, that... It kind of just... I, I love how that always occurs, but it always does feel like a necessary but a kind of a jerk move being like we need you to help us to slay this thing and you slay it you're bleeding you're like i defeated it. they're like that was just a test we needed to see your intention right i'm bleeding as a and kind of to add to this story for those who don't know what a worm is it's a oh, wingless yeah. uh, limbless dragon it's a dragon that looks like a worm but it's a dragon that he had to fight, which yeah, I so. <laughs> did a little bit looking into because I had to confirm what the St. Leonard Worm was because the Hellboy wiki or the fan page wiki was like something completely different. It was like a crocodile looking monster when it wasn't even that. Oh, wow. And I looked into it and it apparently was a dragon that even got killed in like the 1600s by a for by someone else. They got resurrected. Huh. Wow. Yeah, the worm kind of had a story of its own. <laughs> wow, yeah. The worm's been through a lot. <laughs> Seems kind of... Uh, oh, that poor worm. Right? <laughs> we're going to bring you back. Oh, thank you. The last thing that's like... Yeah, uh, we're going to need you to fight that thing with the... Uh, it looks like goggles, but those were horns at one point. Good luck! That's kind of a horrible existence. So a short time later, Professor Brutenholm sent Hellboy to help Professor Edmund Aikman with the King Vold myth. Aikman was obsessed with the possible reward and manipulated Hellboy into begrudgingly completing Vold's tasks uh, that were chosen. And that was definitely a long story that involved... Essentially, he kept promising Hellboy that he'd get like half the treasure that would, that was promised... And he just kept slowly cutting it down to where when he completed the, the stuff and the king's spirit returned, Eckerman tried to say he did it all and that Hellboy was just a servant. Oh. To which very kind of, I meant to put this in here, but kind of for, um, I guess, justice in the end. He gave Eggman the treasure, but the coins burned through his hands and turned to stone when they hit the ground. 
Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah, so like, it just completely messed with them. Dang. Honestly, um, not where I saw that going. Uh, I was just more thinking, I'm like, I'm like, Hellboy's not a person to mess with in that regard. He has a bit of a temper sometimes. Yeah. From what I remember, though, from reading that section, is by the time this was all done and all that happened to Eggman, he was passed out from all the fighting and everything that was going on. Oh, dang. So okay. he didn't even see all of that actually transpire. Oh, wow. Just wake up and uh, the guy the guy you've been working with, is uh, he's got the stigmata going on. Pretty much. <laughs> Damn. Pretty harsh, but, you know, you get what you deserve. Okay. In 1959, Hellboy was in Ireland and embarked on a mission to rescue a baby, Alice Monaghan. In order to do so, he had to bear a corpse to its final resting place. Overseeing the assignment was the king of the Deon Sidi. Let's go with that. Uh, Who would harbor interest in Hellboy in the near future? So, you know, just uh, another task. Also, I feel I kind of almost feel like in the first movie that might have been uh, when he had to carry that one corpse around. That might have been a callback to that. Most likely, yeah. Which I I, I kind of find and I uh, kind of find cute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's messed up that I find that cute. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's not the word I would use to describe that. <laughs> really shows you where I'm at as a person. Uh, in 1979, Hellboy would be sent to aid a once famous physical medium, uh, Mr. Todd. Todd, using drugs to enter a trance, accidentally released a cosmic monster which created a body for itself with Todd's ectoplasm. Ugh. Yeah, that, that's a little uh, creepy. <laughs> uh, this would be Hellboy's first encounter with the spirit of Ogdru Him. He was the he was able to defeat the creature with an herb. I kind of wish they'd said what herb. Yeah, that it seems very nice. generic, and no, we're just gonna pass this over. You know, we're not gonna talk about what he used, right? Uh, and and I, then in 1982, he tracked down the infamous Countess Ilana Koski. Kikosi. Kikosi. Let's go with Kikosi. Yeah, I'm going with that. Um, who was a vampire? Uh, Hellboy would slay her after she tried to distract him with a disturbing vision. I feel like they keep putting these notes like that. Where it's like, what was the vision? Yeah, right? I, it makes me wish we had the comic for that so we can figure out what that vision was. When we have money, we're just going to buy all the comics to each character. We right. Know. We're going to have know. a menagerie of comics. You know, this mysterious herb, this mysterious vision. What the hell is going on? Also... Maybe I'm the only one here, but I kind of really mi- wish Mr. Todd was Mr. Toad. I don't know why I want his name to be Toad. Because <laughs> we all know the reference you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I thought that exact thing when I first saw his name. like, yeah, I get it. Right? That's not right. You suck. <laughs> My first was re- doing the research and reading that. I'm like, Mr. Ah, so close. Right. I almost feel like that was a play on that, to be honest. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Which would have been great. Okay. Oh, let me down. It wasn't until the groundbreaking Cav- Cavan- Cavendish? Cavendish? 
Cavendish? Cavendish Hall mission that Hellboy truly met a challenge, which posed an extreme threat to him or his fellow agents. Abe Sapien and Elizabeth Sherman, a woman with uncontrollable pyrokinetic abilities. It began when Hellboy met his men- mentor, Trevor Brutenholm, who was trying to tell Hellboy a crucial memory, disturbing the professor. Suddenly, the suddenly Brutenholm was mysteriously killed when a spawning of frogs entered the room, and an angry Hellboy would face off with a humanoid frog monster. Yes, because he's got some of the weirdest stories out there. He really does. I feel like they just took advantage of him being this weird paranormal thing to begin with. They're like, we're just going to run with random fights and (laughs) ideas and monsters for him. Like a frog monster. Really? Yeah. I mean, that it's hard to get more random than that. Well. To kind of go with that, there was one of the paragraphs that we erased. It mentioned a some I don't remember who it was. Somebody had taken his demonic blood and corrupted a chimpanzee, <laughs> making a demonic chimp <laughs> that he had to fight. So you know, oh. demonic chimp, frog monster. He, he's got some some weird things. And see, this is why I'm disappointed that his movies I don't think can be accepted by just the mainstream public. Because the movies already have been kind of weird in some regard. They really have. If they fully went, like, full-blown this status, I don't know if the audience would accept it. (laughs) Especially not nowadays. Yeah, no. It would have been one of those cult classics from the early 90s. Yeah. That would have been it. (laughs) Oh, dude, Hellboy would have done so good in the early 90s. (laughs) Why? Why? Okay, uh, you know, uh, take it away, Joker. <laughs> so during the Cavendish Hall mission, Hellboy and his partners would elect to stay the night at Cavendish Hall to ex- uh, further explore any possible clues. Unbeknownst to the agents, the revived Rasputin had been manipulating events in order to draw Hellboy closer to him, intent on forcing Hellboy to fill, fulfill his purpose as the harbinger of Armageddon. Uh, Rasputin was the one who had summoned Hellboy to this world back in 1944 and had been patiently waiting for his chance to retake, return and retake control of his quote-unquote son. I mean, like, no, dude. Like, <laughs> you weren't even... Not only were you not there, but you're not even biologically his father. Like, Right, it's like, no, all you did was bring him to Earth, which honestly was probably not a good thing to do to begin with. Yeah, if anything, you're the closest thing we could put you in is uh, maybe the doctor. This is a stepdad. <laughs> Not even that. Stepdads are at least there and around. I, uh, I'd say he was the doctor who delivered Hellboy into this world. Yeah. That, that, that's as big of a role as he played in Hellboy's life. Uh, that's hey, true. I'm glad we got there. I, I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, okay. Moving on there. Because, yeah, no, Rasputin, always up to his old tricks. Upon discovering the presence of Rasputin, who had willingly revealed himself, already not great move on his part, that evening in a vain attempt to coerce Hellboy's loyalty, Hellboy refused this destiny, having been raised by his mentor in the way of good. He then tried to slay the now furious Rasputin. 
yeah, dude, like what what did you you had literally no bearing on his existence. You come in, you're like, I am your true father. Who's this guy? <laughs> I mean that not to mention it's like you're trying to get him to turn against basically what he's already grown up and learned from an early age. Yeah. Quote unquote. <laughs> it would kind of like I don't really have any great examples here, but it'd be like if a person tried to turn me into a vegetarian vegetarian right now after so much of my life eating eating animals. I just think of all that bacon that you'd miss out on. Exactly, and I'm not giving up bacon. I will murder for bacon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But is it really murder? <laughs> it's just it's just called farming. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it would actually be Abe Sapien that would manage to kill Rasputin by throwing a harpoon through his chest. However, he was actually being possessed by the spirit of Elihu? How the hell do you pronounce that name? <laughs> so it would be a ghost of another Cavendish. Uh, um, desired vengeance against Rasputin for the murder of his family. Liz Sherman awoke from her trance and summoned a firestorm that killed Sadu Hem. Uh, Hellboy would su- succeed in rejecting his purpose and delayed the end of days. Rasputin's body was destroyed and his spirit was forced to flee, vowing that Hellboy would fill his purpose in the end whether he wanted to or not. Because, you know, that's the way all villains always disappear. Right. You know, just to return later on. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is not the end of it. This is just, you know, his early career. I just, I'm sure he showed up again. Yeah. I I mean, I get it's comics. I get it's stories. We got to have them possibly reoccur later for you. More conflict. But can we just, like, have a final end for a villain? One of these, these days, there's, like, a good villain. I don't mean these one-off. Come on, we can even have a, have a good ending for a hero. Come on, they brought <sighs> Superman back. Yeah. True. Okay, yeah, you're right. So, uh, apparently, we have a fun fact now. Yeah, a couple of them about kind of more of Hellboy's exploits no more of his uh, bloodline oh okay hellboy is related to morgan lee fay oh the morgan king arthur's half-sister and the mother of mordred yeah the mother sorry my <laughs> we didn't expand the letters it's a little difficult uh, okay hellboy <laughs> is related to morgan lee fay King Arthur's half-sister and the mother to uh, Mordred, Arthur's bastard son. Hellboy's mother is also a daughter of Mordred, thus making King Arthur Hellboy's grandfather. Yeah, that story in King Arthur, in the stories King Arthur. Yeah, you kind of... Anybody out there wondering that? Maybe request it. We'd be down to do a King Arthur a little bit of a King Arthur episode maybe in the future. And that would just depend on which version of King Arthur. Yeah, true. Because I'm sure the version in Dark Horse is very different than another. They all, though, tend to mention this weird... I don't know why they have to keep this one every single one. They're just like... They're like, I want to keep it the incest thing in there. And they're like, why? We need it. And they're like, do it's we? kind of a part of his story. Now, whether, whether we like it or not, it is ingrained in his story. It kind of is a major clutch pin yeah, to so his like, story. Yeah, so that's something they can't get rid of. But I do kind of like, though, that 
it shows that, you know, this hell demon in the long run is, you know, related to this, this you know, mythical being, essentially. Yep. This you know, that King Arthur was. Historical mythical beings and... Hey, hey, he's royalty. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> Which that actually became a part of his story where it was, he was a descendant of uh, Arthur. So he was royalty to England, but at the same time, because of his family in hell, he was also the crown prince of hell. Oh, yeah. And that became a, a contesting point in one story oh. where he had to choose one or the other. That actually uh, does come up a little bit in the second movie because he is the son of the fallen one. Yep. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, kind of interesting to go along with his family. He has an unnamed brother who became a monk, and an unnamed unnamed sister who became a nun. Oh, that's so, kind of cool. It's kind of interesting that both his si- unnamed siblings became religious people, and he is very like the opposite. <laughs> I mean, they all kind of have religious jobs. He just tends to use it to actively hunt down things. <laughs> The other two are like, we are going to worship and be servants. He's like, I'll shoot this thing in the face. <laughs> with, that, with holy water bullets. Did you say holy water bullets? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they all had a religious calling of some sorts. <laughs> Different paths, none more righteous than the other. <laughs> okay, uh, so ladies and gentlemen and folks, there's your Hellboy. Powers and abilities of the Hellboy. Superhuman strength. Although the true extent of his strength isn't very well known. Um, and we don't really know his possible limits. We do know he can at least, like, at least lift one ton as a base limit. Which, that's not a bad base limit to have. No, that really is. That is uh, very impressive. So, okay. He also has superhuman speed. He's just, he's faster than your average human. He's able to keep up with stuff like werewolves and vampires. And so pretty impressive. He has superhuman reflexes. You know, uh, way beyond that of a normal human. The ability to catch a demon, which, you know, that's, I assume demons would be fast. I mean, you could definitely assume that. Okay, he also has superhuman agility, superhuman durability, which that one they really play heavy on in the movies. Oh, yeah. Um, but kind of going on the agility one, though, it, it, it's quick enough that he can dodge lightning, bullets, and lasers. Oh, wow. So, yeah, no, he's got, got one heck of a good agility. As far as durability, he's been shown to be capable of withstanding wounds that would be fatal to ordinary humans without being incapacitated, as well as recovering from injuries at an incredible rate. So he has superhuman endurance. Hellboy has consistently displayed enormous amounts of endurance. He can fall thousands of feet and walk it off like it's nothing and shake off injuries after being crushed and beaten by giants. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's got some crazy uh, endurance durability. He also has enhanced sight. The extent of his sight ability seems to be limited to distance, but he's shown not to have much trouble seeing in the dark or minimum light situations. Or as D&D would call it, he's got dark vision. 
Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, hell, oh heck, yeah. He's a tiefling. <laughs> oh, my God, he completely is a tiefling. Um, he also has uh, accelerated healing. Much, you know, just basically in comparison, like, they do compare it slower and that, but in compar- uh, comparatively to Wolverine. The- As in all honesty, it kind of feels like it's got the little bit of the Wolverine healing, but the rest of them seems very similar to, like, Captain America. Yeah. Where it's just, like, enhanced stuff. Yeah, nothing too insane, but, like, definitely no humans. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, down. yeah, it's not as crazy as, like, some of the gods or other beings that we've talked about, but. Compared to a human, is definitely much higher than us. Yeah, but going with the healing, he also has uh, decelerated aging. So kind of like what they said in the movies, think reverse, reverse dog. Reverse what? Think, uh, think reverse dog, dog ears. Okay. No, I heard think reverse doggy. <laughs> That's what I was like. Oh, what? <laughs> This might be a good time, parents, for you to take your kids out of the room. <laughs> oh, we've already passed that. Okay, so he is also, um, it It does also describe him as possibly or effectively immortal. Despite being taken out many a times and eventually stopped at one point, Hellboy has survived blows that would kill any ordinary human, possibly because he could fulfill his duty as the bringer of the apocalypse. Hellboy seems to have the have escaped death at nearly every turn, as he's described to be as deathless as Koshi. Hellboy can't die unless he believes he should. Oh, holy cow, that's a... Hey, he's like that one Star Wars Sith Lord. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We had to kind of literally be convinced to die. <laughs> uh, he's also thermal resistant, which... Now, other things burn. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He also has uh, demonic transformation. Hellboy assumes an even more demonic form under special circumstances, either artificially or when under emotional duress. In this form, Hellboy stu- Hellboy stumps become full-grown horns. After coming to terms with his heritage, Hellboy seems to be able to transform at will while also sprouting wings. Oh, wow, that's a, the wings are a little bit of a new one that I didn't know about. Hellboy becomes much stronger and gains access to his latent magic, which could probably be useful in a lot of situations he's already been in. In his full demon form, Hellboy was able to effortlessly slaughter hell's most powerful inhabitants. Uh, also, he has size shifting, which that, that's kind of a weird one. Hellboy can increase his size to the point where he's very large, such as a Leviathan and a Behemoth? Behemoth? Oh, Behemoth. Behemoth? Nah. Let's go with that. I'm sure somebody out there knows what that is. He also has Hellfire Manipulation, Electrokinesis, and Flights. Given the wings, I kind of... Well, I guess I kind of would have hoped that he could fly. I've seen plenty of characters who can't. He also is an expert in hand-to-hand combat. 
uh, occult knowledge, innate multilinguistic. Li- <laughs> He's multilinguistic. <laughs> superhuman intellect. Oh, so he does have the superhuman intellect. Kind of. Kind of like we were talking of him being able to pick up and like understand the information he's okay. researching. So that is a thing he has. Uh, also, master strategist, which he he's really not big on the strategy one. As I feel like that's that shouldn't even be on the list. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like he has the capability if he needs to. They're like, dude, you're a master strategist. He's like, I'm gonna run in. That's a strategy. Yeah. I mean, works out 55% of the time. I wouldn't even put it that high. (laughs) And, you know, he also has his right hand of doom. All right, so now we finally get down into his other media appearances, which he doesn't have a whole lot until we get to his books. (laughs) Um, He's got a couple animated films. In 2005, um, IDT Entertainment announced they had to license the rights to develop animated content for TV and home entertainment based on the Hellboy comics, with the cast of the 2004 movie reprising their roles as the characters' voices. Um, the first two 75-minute animated films would be Sword of Storms, released in 2006 on October 28th, and Blood and Iron, released on March 17th, 2007. Both these stories had much in common with the comics rather than the films. Actually, uh, I have seen both those. Those are uh, they're pretty fun. They're pretty fun nice. movies. But speaking of the regular films, um, the most famous one being Ron Perlman starring as the titular character in the two movies Hellboy 2004 and Hellboy 2 The Golden Army in 2008, with a reboot starring David Harbour on Hellboy in 2019. Which um, still have yet to see. And kind of, I guess, at this point, more of a fun fact. In 2009, there was a third movie in development with much of the main cast um, of the original two returning where Hellboy would live his normal-ish life as a father of two newborn twins. Um, In July of 2019, Perlman would say that he would still love to finish the trilogy, ignoring the reboot, and said he (laughs) thought it could happen if funding could be found. But I feel like it just... I mean, because I forgot there was even a reboot... I feel like it'd be very easy to forget the reboot happened. It would be. Like, the reboot, everything I saw from it, it looks like a Hellboy, like a fun Hellboy movie. Yeah. Like, it looks very much Hellboy-esque, but kind of like we discussed with just Hellboy in general, he's, he's it's kind of hard to accept that universe, especially because they did make him look different in the sense of they made him more comic accurate. Well, yeah, I mean, they had to do something different to make their stand out to the original. Yeah, and honestly, I thought it looked good. I thought it looked great. I still haven't seen it, so, you know, I'm not making any claims personally yet. I'm just saying I want to see it. I, I think their biggest downfall is the fact that it doesn't have Pearlman and, you know, him being pretty much the most famous Hellboy. It's kind of like uh, I feel bad for anybody who's going to take over the Wolverine role. I think at this point, I feel bad for anybody taking over an MCU position. Oh, God. Tony, could you imagine somebody trying to do Tony Stark? Tony, Cap. Pretty much any of them at this point. Yeah. Very few characters can you really get away with easily replacing. If any. Um, So he also has a handful of novels, which several of them were written by Christopher Golden. 
And two of those, um, being titled Lost Army and the Bone of Giants, um, are actually part of official Hellboy canon. So he also has other stories called Hellboy Odd Jobs, Hellboy Otter Jobs, <laughs> um, Hellboy on Earth as it is in Hell, Utter, Unnatural Selection, The God Machine, The Dragon Pool, Emerald Eye, The All-Seeing Eye, Oddest Jobs, <laughs> The Firewolves, The Ice Wolves, and Assortment of Horrors. So he's got a fairly large amount of books, and I want to say wow. a couple of them were even pretty recent, too. That's a lot of books. It's, it's, he's fairly consistent. For a comic book character, that's a lot of books. But I, I want to know, was the, the Odd Jobs, was that a trilogy? <laughs> odd, Odd, or Noddest? <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh, that's um, good. So, he has a small video game section as well. He has Hellboy Dogs of the Night, which was developed by Cryo Interactive, which released in 2000, which was ported to the PlayStation as Hellboy Asylum Seeker, developed by Hoplite Research and released in 2003. In 2005, Hellboy movie director Guillermo de Toro announced a deal with Konami, uh, which would make a game based on the movie version of the character, and Perlman would reprise his role. Um, in 2008, the, movie, or the game would release... Hellboy, the Science of Evil. Huh. I think and I heard of that. I think that was actually the only one I've actually heard of, yeah. to be honest. Never played it. Um, there was a second or a game made for the second movie, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Tooth Fairy Terror, which was released on the iPhone in 2009. <laughs> he is also a DLC character for Injustice 2. Oh, yeah. And also appears in the 2D platformer fighting game Brawlhalla. <laughs> Which I, I've definitely like seen that. like the the media for that, but I've never actually played or seen the game. I'd like to check that out. I like that name. Right. <laughs> now, he also, like very few of our characters so far, has the tabletop games. Oh, what? Um, in 2002, released Hellboy Sourcebook and role-playing game. Um, Mantic Games would release Hellboy the board game in 2019. And in 2020... Mantic Games would follow up with another Hellboy Kickstarter for a new Hellboy role-playing game, which uses the D&D 5th edition as a base game for the rules, um, and slated for was slated for March of 2021 release. Uh, uh, I feel like I've seen where people have taken essentially the stuff from the second game, or the the most recent one where they did the 5th uh, D&D rules. Yeah. I feel like I've seen people put it over to D&D. Like, you're using our rules anyways. Let's bring them to our game. Oh, my God, yes. I'm going to have. <laughs> Great. Now we're going to fight a demon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're definitely going to be meeting Hellboy. I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. Okay. No, you know what? I'm a fan of this guy. How about oh, yeah. you, Joker? I, mean, I was a little bit just because of the movies. They were fun. Outside of that, though, I didn't really know anything or... He doesn't seem as big outside of the movies unless you are really into books and comics. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little bit of a fan. For anyone that's still listening, if you got something out of this, enjoyed the episode, or even liked the character before from a movie, a comic, cartoon, hell, even that t-shirt that you saw one time, you're a fan too. If you want to jump on this train, why not subscribe and share with a friend? Dick Rail out. Y'all keep riding them rails.